dun 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 uh, heading to the hotel. Uh, uh. Yeah, baby. Each week, we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. This week, Murdoch Mysteries, The Prince and the Rebel, Season 1, Episode 12, I Am Mark. <laughs> I'm Sarah, I think. <laughs> I'm slap happy today. Speaking of t-shirts. Yeah, not. <laughs> We have a new t-shirt in the merch store, speaking of murder, mayhem, and everything else we love. Which says, murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. Yeah, so if you're interested, you should go snag one. Apparently, some people, and if you do this and record it, we would be so happy. (laughs) Because we'll play it on the show. Yeah. If you uh, say it along with us, or like to say it, or want to say it, (laughs) please... Send us recordings, and we'll put them on the show. Of people saying the murder, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. Yep. Each week we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, and the loonies, and everything else we love. Yeah. That would be amazing. That would be super fun. Especially if they sent us a picture of them doing it in the (laughs) t-shirt. Well, now you're raising the bar a little bit higher. I know, but anyway, you you got a couple of days left. To get in on giving Tar- money to, to target ovarian cancer. Target ovarian cancer. And then we'll have a new charity starting June 1st. Speaking of the t-shirts, we were looking around, mostly because you mistakenly ordered a t-shirt, sent it to the wrong address, but thought that it hadn't come when you accidentally sent it somewhere you didn't mean to. But anyway, so you thought- Let us not speak of my mistakes. No, no. But you thought Spreadshirt was, was being really slow, but in fact, yes. they weren't. They were just sending it to where you told them to. Yes. Anyway, but because of that, we were like, maybe we should look around and see if there are other places where we should be putting our merch instead. And ladies, there is a crime going on on the internet that I was not even aware of. So few places that are print on demand like Spreadshirt is actually have women's shirts. It's so super stupid. And like, okay. Like they just have unisex t-shirts, which are men's t-shirts. There's three And that's it. There's three dudes who listen to the show. (laughs) The rest are women. Absolutely not. We are not going to switch to a vendor who doesn't have not just one women's t-shirt, but lots of different women's shirts. It's just not okay. Yep. So we will not be switching storefronts. Nope. Because boobies need room. Exactly. And men's shirts don't do it. No. Not in a flattering way. No. I like flattering t-shirts. We're, our audience is predominantly female. <laughs> and that's all you're going to say about it. So we're not going to switch. The other thing that we just want to remind you up at the top before we dive in is the new Midsummer Murders episodes are being released in the UK starting this weekend. So if you... Yes. We've said it a few times now. So Midsummer Kurgan. If you haven't seen them, yep. you'll be able to see them. Are we ready for Prince and the Rebel? Yes, original air date, April 6, 2008. John Le is directing this one <laughs> as well. And Alexa- How many years of French did you take? And Thir- you can't say his name? 13. Yeah. Alexandra. That was 13. Zarwani is the writer. I like this episode a lot. I think this is maybe the best written episode of the first season. Mm. So far. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does have some... 
really good interplay between characters. It yep. has some international intrigue and some political subtlety, some violence, some some scary, stressful tension, fire, explosions. Sometimes TV writers don't get the mo- notes that things should change slightly on each episode. Mm-hmm. And sometimes writers get the notes that things should change slightly in each episode. They successfully got the notes this time. Yeah, this is, it's it's an interesting episode. I'm not going to say it's kooky. It's not no, kooky. No. But it's interesting. It is indeed interesting. There's lots of things to, to be interested by. I'm going to say Prince Alfred is a little kooky. Okay, so a couple of things. He never came. Prince Alfred never visited Canada? No. Second of all, he would have been speaking German. Most likely. He was born in Buckingham Palace. Yeah. But he moved to Germany very early on in his life because his father fell out of secession. Well, Prince Albert spoke with a German accent, right? Yes. Victoria's husband. Yes. I mean, his whole side of the family. Yes. And Prince Albert Jr., so he's Prince Albert Edward, who is Victoria's son. Mm Mm-hmm did come to Canada in 1860. So Alfred's dad visited, but Alfred didn't. No, no, it's not Alfred's dad. It's easy to get confused, but it's not Alfred's dad. I'm already confused. It's not Alfred's dad. Okay. This guy, this prince, who is in this episode, historically, in reality, did not visit Canada. That's the point, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. But you are correct. It is his father who did. (laughs) I just had to double check. They're all named Alfred. Okay, but you didn't have to double check. You were like, no, you're wrong. Okay, you were right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so his dad did, but he didn't. Yes. And he came to acknowledge Canadians' involvement in the Crimean War, which was yet another fantastic war where, yes, Canada was involved, but a lot of Canada's involvement was getting there. Mm. Sometimes we show up late to the party because we're far away. <laughs> well, it takes you a while to pack. Yes. You know? we got to decide, do we need the toques? Don't we need the toques? But he was here for two months. How much maple syrup can we take? Yeah. Oh, you know. Yep. <laughs> he visited the falls and all sorts of things. Of course One he of did. the very first royal visits. They introduce Alfred as the Prince of Saxe-Colburg Gotha. Yes. Right? Which, which he was. Yes. Which is Victoria's husband's family. Yes. Albert's line. Yep. Germans, right? Mm-hmm. Because the royals, they were all like, let my kid marry your kid, and that will mean that we both get to be royalty for longer because we're like... Conf- you know, secure. Yeah, they all looked each look looked like each other. Well, if they were related, they would. Yeah. Okay. Weird. Well, no. Thing like to you point put <laughs> you, you put the brothers. You put Alfred and uh, the guy from Russia and the guy from Germany all in a room together, and you're like, oh yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. brothers. They're they're related. Yeah, definitely. But I didn't know where I knew that Saxe Coburg was German. I had never heard of Gotha before, but that's just another town in Germany. No, it sounds fantastic. But as soon as I started looking into it, the first thing I saw was that they were the Agnatic branch. I'm like, what? What the hell is agnatic? What is an agnatic branch of a family? Yeah. So you know what primogeniture is, right? Yes. Who who gets the throne or who who inherits the lot, right? So typical primogeniture is the oldest male of the family would take the throne or whatever. Agnatic primogeniture means that (laughs) this is so weird. This is so I no, it's 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 critical. It's no, it's not critical. 
It's interesting. Yes. But it's difficult to explain. Agnatic primogeniture means that the firstborn child gets to be the next ruler. Yes. But if they're a woman, their kids are not the next in line. Yes. Okay. So, like, uh, so Elizabeth II became queen, but if they were agnatic primogeniture, Charles would not be king. It would be her nearest male relative's oldest son. Yes. I don't even know who that would be. I don't know either. Because she had a sister. Does she have a brother? No, she has a sister. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So it'd be some cousin. It would be some weird cousin. Some guy, random guy living in Liverpool or something would be like, I'm next. (laughs) So all of a king's children would be eligible for the throne, but his daughter's children would not be. Isn't that weird? It's all very strange. It's like it skips a generation or something. We're only sexist every other generation. And I would say from like 1850 to 1950, there was a lot of change at all the heads of Europe. Yeah, yeah. What, the other thing I didn't know is that male, royal male ancestors are called agnates and female, not ancestors, descendants, female descendants are called cognates. Oh, that's weird. Did you know that? No, I didn't. So Charles is an agnate. Yes. But Elizabeth's sister, what's her name? Margaret? Margaret. She's a cognate. Okay. I thought cognate was only in language, like a... It's a, lang- it's a word that's the same in both languages, like lacar. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that was really interesting, Sarah and Mark. Thanks for teaching us about agnatic primogeniture. I'm a cognate. <laughs> now, there is some bits of interesting things with Alfred because poor Alfred doesn't last much longer than this. He lasts four more years. Historically. Historically. The real person. Yeah. He, wow, so he lived to be like 30 or something? 24. <gasps> oh. Yes. So he would have been 20 at this time at if he this had time, actually gone to Canada. At this time, he would have been 20 if he actually gone to Canada. And it's completely, okay. Did if he die he, in a war or something? If, no, no, it's much sadder than that. Hold on. If if he did come to Canada and there was a Fenian assault on him, it would be completely understandable that they covered the whole thing up. Mm. Because at 24, at his parents' 25th wedding anniversary party, something bad happened to Alfred. I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Nobody's 100% sure. The ideas range from he went dual alley. Mental he, illness. Mental illness. Syphilis. Which would be mental illness. He had some sort of epileptic or something fit. Mm. Uh, he may have gotten a gun and tried to commit suicide. No one knows. It all happened at this party, though. Worst party ever. <laughs> And six days later, after being... Okay, wait, 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 wait. Back up, back up. We don't know why he did it, but he shot himself at his parents' party. That is the general accepted idea right now. But he didn't die right away. No, he lasted a couple more days. Oh, that's awful. Dude. Yeah. It's a party. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's people there who could talk to you. Yeah. Oh. Like everybody He should have just gone to Canada. Yeah. See, if he'd actually gone to Canada, maybe he would have pepped up. Maybe. Felt better. Poor guy. Wow. I feel sad for him. Well, Bracken Reed causes everything. It's completely his fault. This entire shenanigan is his fault. You know why? Why? Because he says to Jennings, the prince's sidekick, 
You mean Snidely Whiplash? Yes, Snidely Whiplash. Don't worry about the Irish terrorism in Canada. It doesn't happen here. Never yeah. say that, dude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just guaranteeing it to happen. Totally. Bracket. I promise that won't happen. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't have history of Canada taught to you. Here's some more boring here. stuff. No. <laughs> the Fenian raids were, so after the British took full possession of and squashed the fight for independence in Ireland in the late 19th century. Mm -hmm. A lot of those Irish people went to the United States and a lot of them fought in the Civil War. Mm -hmm. So they were pepped up and armed. Mm -hmm. And they were like, this was their plan. The Fenians' plan was this. We're going to take over Canada so that you'll free Ireland. Oh, so they were going to take all of Canada basically hostage. They were going to take Canada hostage, take over Canada, and then that would allow the Irish homeland to be free. Because they thought that that Great Britain would choose Canada over Ireland? I guess. <laughs> so this is what happened. That's like taking the kid that you don't like hostage. You're like, go ahead, just take him. It's fine. They had a three-pronged assault, right? One in northern Ontario. One at Buffalo and one across the river from Montreal, mm. right? This was supposedly upwards of 20,000 men invading Canada. And if 20,000 men had shown up and they had done this at the same time, perhaps if they, they had would been have, coordinated, it might have worked. Perhaps, perhaps. There are rumors that maybe they were a little drunk. And maybe like 10 of them showed up. 1,500 showed up in oh. Buffalo. <laughs> That's a little underwhelming. To which the American authorities said, uh, no. <laughs> hey, guys, why don't you go home, sleep it off. We'll talk later. Like, Some okay. of them got across the border. Mm. There were a couple of battles, right? There small were, battles. There were Uprisings. Very, very small battles. What What's weird is I absolutely drove through both of the battlefields where they are. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Like right across the border from Buffalo. They were supposed to go across at Montreal too, but the the Canadian soldiers in Montreal, who would have been French, were like, no. No, no. <laughs> oh, no, no. That's not going to happen. So was this supposed to happen? When was this supposed to happen? It was supposed to happen in uh, 1866. Okay. So by the time... We're, we're at the 1895 mark for this episode. That has passed. The Irish uprising failed. There were a couple of other and so ones now in just, 70 and 71, but it's 20 years ago. Yeah, but now they're just an immigrant group in Canada. Yes. Okay. When she was running alone alone in the park at night, did you immediately go, where's the cloak guy from last episode? Because <laughs> this is the same park. She's going to get shot with a crossbow any second. Yes. No, I didn't think that. Dirk Dastardly meets with Crabtree and Murdoch. Oh, sorry. Jennings. Jennings. Hey, the guy who plays Jennings, yes. Chris Gascoigne, he was in, a, in over 1,600 episodes of Coronation Street. Wow. There are probably dudes who saw him and even under that mustache went, is that that guy from Coronation Street? <laughs> even with that bad mustache? I think that's him. Yeah. Murdoch avoids pleasure at all possible. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most underwhelming show of security ever. <laughs> they said Murdoch and Crabtree. Two dudes, two dudes to protect the prince who might be under attack, who came all the way to Canada with one guy to keep him safe. And how did, like, okay. <laughs> and in reality, 
Jennings, we spoil things, by the way, isn't really motivated to keep him safe anyway. Okay. Can we can we not say that on the application to work at Buckingham Palace, there should be the question, are you a Fenian terrorist? Yeah. <laughs> Is anybody in your family a terrorist? What? Does anybody in your family want to kill the royal family? If you check any of these boxes, yes, I you are had, under, you, you I, cannot qualify for this When job. I immigrated to the U.S. and got my green card, I had to answer like 500 questions. There's this huge questionnaire. And one of the questions is, do you plan to overthrow the American government? <laughs> to which I answered, no. I wonder how many applications they get where yes is checked and then scribbled out and then no is checked. <laughs> Like, it was just a joke. I was just kidding. There was a lot of weird questions. I wasn't paying attention. I checked the wrong box. But they should have been asking that question. There's a reference here to Toronto the Good, which actually comes from this idea of, of Victorian morality from the mayor, William Holmes. He wanted to brand Toronto as a moral place. Yep. And it was used in in an 1898 book by C.S. Clark titled Of Toronto the Good. So it would have totally been in the vernacular at this point in time. What's weird is it's still in the vernacular. Huh. Whenever How's that was, working? So what is the, it? Is the, it making people be good? This is what happens whenever anything bad happens in Toronto. Somebody goes, "Well, it's Toronto the Good." You know, hardy har har the irony. <laughs> so this is a nice scene here because you're given which scene? I don't the, even know what you're talking about anymore. You're given the prince's introduction uh, yeah, along yeah, yeah. with the the young lady being killed. The hopping back and forth. Yep. Because the, poor Margaret Gilpatrick is being killed. Yes. He, okay, the assassin has a scarf on his face and a bowler hat and a black coat. Yes. Like that's his killer gear. Yep. Okay. They so should have had the dude in the cloak running I know. past in the background. <laughs> yeah, running past in the background like, hello, hi Okay, <laughs> Waving his crossbow like, yep. hi, dude. Hey, dude. He knocks her down and like, I think he kneels on her chest. Yeah. While he's strangling her. Well. Because otherwise it's way too fast. We have to assume this is Jennings. Yes. Because it's not his red-haired stepchild. Which is brother. why which is why he has to wear the the scarf because yes. he has to hide his mustache. We would know it was his signature right mustache. Wait a minute. Are you Ian McShane? No. No. Laurent Ian McShane. Takes her necklace yeah. because it's an Irish cross. Yep. But then we find out she has a black sun tattoo on her shoulder. Yes, which it's the IRB at this time would have had a sunburst on their flag. So ah. that looked kind of like that. But it's clearly a cover-up tattoo. Yes. And Julia uncovers the Phoenix Rising tattoo underneath it. Which in what looks like the most painful tattoo removal procedure ever. <laughs> I don't even know how that would work. Yeah. I've put some acid on the cadaver. Now, granted, it's a cadaver, so we don't have to worry about it hurting. But I put some acid on it that makes these top layers of skin just peel away. Okay. Let's back up a tiny bit. Because, first of all, everybody should be going, what, what, what? A woman with a tattoo? Yeah. What, what, what? A person with a tattoo. Yeah, that's true. Who's not a sailor? Who's not a sailor, right? So we live in a world where tattoos, facial tattoos, are almost the norm. Yeah. Right? This is not the case. Neither of us has any face tattoos, by the way. No. Uh, 1895, they would have been going, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
Oh, yeah. She's prostitute instantly, yep. right? Yep. Phoenix Rising that they expose later on is usually accompanied by the words, out of the ashes arose the provisionals, which is the idea that the IRA and the IRB rose out of the English's taking over suppression of, of Suppression yeah, of Ireland. control of yeah. Ireland. Yep. Meanwhile, at the hotel... The prince wants to get up to naughty things. He does. Because he only has one guard. Because of all the police in Toronto, when there is a murder, let's take half of the prince's guards away to investigate it and leave Crabtree. (laughs) Go ahead, George, read it. Do you have the poem? There was a prince who liked to succumb to vulgar girls with big bums, but he knew he was trapped and would have to adapt, so he begs you instead for some rum. He kind of gets both. <laughs> I don't think he's going to settle for just the rum. He's like, get me girls. Girls, girls. What does Crabtree do? Does he call down to the concierge? Okay. Does he go out and hit the streets and come back with a parade of girls following him? Because the prince <laughs> shows some actual character at the end of the episode. Yeah. We are going to gloss over the fact that women are treated horrifically in this episode. Ah. He seems to be showing them a good time. They can leave anytime they want. I'm yes, sure they're all getting paid. But they're all sitting around waiting for some prince to call up and be like, can you show me your big bum? <laughs> so that's what I mean by women are being treated horrifically. And Crabtree, I don't know, he called down the station is like, uh, do you have any vulgar lady? girls in the cells? Vulgar Send them girls down. in the cells? Nobody will notice a conga line of vulgar girls dun, 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 uh, heading to the hotel. Uh, uh. And how many women have been approached saying, there's a prince at the hotel who would love to meet you. Follow me. <laughs> Uh, no way, brother. And who was looking after the prince exactly. when George was doing this? Procuring so vulgar many girls. bad things. So, the Did lim- you like my poem? The no, lim- dude. <laughs> no. The limerick is actually pretty well written, though. Yes. So what did I do? <laughs> I need more limericks. Well, of course we do. But I'm not going to write them myself. No. So I went to ChatGPT and got some limericks about British princes visiting Canada. Excellent. Would you like to hear them? Oh, boy, do I want to hear these. <laughs> I know most people are probably so tired hearing about ChatGPT, but it is it is useful in I lots of ways. I think it's a very useful tool in writing dirty limericks it's about super princes fun. going to Canada. Well, what's great is that, you know, it's, it's programmed not to say hateful things or violent things, yes. but it can stereotype out the wazoo. <laughs> I said, please write a one stanza funny limerick about a British prince visiting Canada. Okay. Okay? That's what I told it to do. Okay. There once was a prince oh so regal, but his behavior was often illegal. From wild parties galore to scandals and more, this royal's antics were simply unequaled. That's perfect. But no mention of Canada. No. So I had to remind it. He goes to Canada. Canada is a country. Okay. So we got another, we got another try here. Okay. There once was a prince from the throne, visited Canada all on his own. It's like it's seen the episode. Yes. With the love for poutine, he'd eat it. Obscene, leaving no gravy or curdling stone. (laughs) What? I don't know. (laughs) There's no stones in poutine. I think it's cheese curds, but it didn't understand. Yeah. I got one more for you already. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I love these. There once was a prince with great charm visiting Canada, causing no harm, but he got lost in the snow, ended up in a row, asked a moose for directions. What a qualm. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't include the ones where it was like all maple syrup and he got stuck in maple syrup and <laughs> yeah. Wow. With a love for poutine, he'd eat it. Obscene. <laughs> <laughs> Obscene poutine. Leaving no gravy or curdling stone. <laughs> Isn't that what's on poutine? Gravy and curdling stones? No. Gravy and curdles. No. <laughs> cheese Gra- curds. Gravy and cheese curds. And it's delicious. So Poor Henry is absolutely over his head trying to assist Murdoch. But again, this is a great episode because there's a little bit of improvement of... of Henry, Henry grows a little bit. Henry grows. You can't... Ha- in television shows, you can't have great growing no. moments. But you have that little growing moment. But they certainly couldn't swap him out for George and no, leave no, him no. behind with the prince. Can no. you imagine? Oh, my God. George and the Prince. Yes. He's a good bass here. Hey, ladies. Yep. Uh, how you search public records. How you yeah, because do- there's a database that you can just go back and look <laughs> at Henry. Don't, don't deal with the press. Don't send Henry over to talk to the press. <laughs> you daft bastard. That's what Bracken Reed calls him. Yes. Sorry, ma'am. <laughs> Higgins, you daft bastard. What would happen if I called somebody at work a daft bastard like that? I think I would get in trouble, especially if I yelled it in public. So next we're on to, it is the morgue of not flirting. There's no flirting in the morgue. No, not no. this time. No. It's acid scraping tattoo time oh, instead. And her strange father. And, oh. And the mentions of changelings. So Margaret's dad, Maggie Kilpat- Gilpatrick's dad, Daniel, shows up to yeah. identify the body and says, that's not her. Straight out of central casting for Irish immigrant father. He is Irish. Yeah. The actor is Irish. That's good. He's got, and, and his accent is great, I yep. think. I think all the accents in this episode are good. Yes. Well, Snidely doesn't go <laughs> every time the door closes. Though there's one scene where it lingers on him where he almost goes. <laughs> <laughs> almost. <laughs> Why'd they put the evil mustache on him? They could have put a nice mustache on him. So her dad comes to the morgue and says, that's not her because yeah. my my daughter, and, it, and it's not that they've misidentified no. her. And, it's that, But they're confused by that at first. Yeah. Which is, I, again, another good element of the story that moves the story along and gives them a reason to go talk to her roommate and gives them an idea of what's going on in her Yes family. and no. It's also kind of buying into Irish stereotypes, too. Oh, there's a wee stereotype here. Oh, you know, the Irish, they love the fairies. They so. got the fairies. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to do that anymore. So he says, that's not my daughter, because my daughter... Was taken by the fairies. Was, well, She's would never cha- have behaved the way yes. she was behaving. So clearly she was a changeling. Yes. And this is the changeling's corpse, so my daughter will now come back. And this is totally a Irish folklore staple, right? This, it's Yeats's stolen child. Changelings of some sort are a global yes. staple yeah. of myth and lore. Because it's the notion that something supernatural either takes or replaces your child. Well, the reason why they're universal is that they go back to one very unfortunate fact, that there were children who were unwanted yes, in some sort. Yeah. Either they couldn't be supported by a family who was very poor, or they were born with a disability or some other kind of dis- deformity. Or they were girls. 
that's a deformity in many parts yes. of the world still to today to be born a girl. And so, oh no, the elves took my baby. This is a changeling. It's not a real baby. Yes. If I kill it, they'll return my real good baby. Yeah. Okay, let's put that to the side. Yes. Because changelings can be kind of fun. Yes. If you don't so let's think go about the fun part of changelings. If you don't think about that part. Yes. Do you know how you get the fairies to give your baby back? You ask them. He makes reference to it here. Well, you. so uh, he thinks that you have to make her drink milk with herbs in it well, the, and then ask them. Yes. And they can't lie at a certain point. After they've had some milk, they can't fib. With, with basil in it. <laughs> if they've got a milk mustache, they have to tell the truth. Julia brings that stomach a little too close to her face. In other places, you get the baby returned by making the changeling laugh. Okay. Or torturing it. Okay. They're kind of extremes. Yes. But <laughs> I love this. So this is part of the Welsh lore of changelings, okay? okay? You identify a changeling by making the family meal on an eggshell, okay? okay? So I only assume that you like cut an eggshell in half and serve food in the eggshell. They believed, the Welsh believed, that when the meal was served to the changeling, it would exclaim the following. I've seen the acorn before the oak, but I've never seen the likes of this, and then vanish. <laughs> like, you all are too crazy if you eat your dinner off of eggshells. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out of here. And by out, I mean, I'm just going to disappear. Yes. Okay. And then maybe your baby will appear. Maybe. Could be in the bed tonight, like back in the crib. Yeah. Could be in the road or in a field somewhere nearby. The baby could, have, could appear anywhere. In Scandinavia, they believed that iron kept fairies away. So if you wanted to prevent your baby from being abducted by fairies before it was baptized, that's when they're really in danger is before yeah. they're baptized. If you wanted to prevent that, you had to have some iron near the baby because okay. that would scare the fairies off. So they would often put some kind of iron item near a cradle. Okay. Such as a knife or scissors. <laughs> Mm, yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe like a doorknob or... A, a, sh a horseshoe, maybe. Horseshoe, maybe. But they also thought that you had to keep a fire burning in the nursery all the time and that the bath water the baby was washed in should never be thrown away. I hope they baptize their babies pretty soon after birth. Otherwise, you'd have quite the accumulation of old bath water sitting around. Yeah. You know? Like, don't throw that out! And this is all... This is all to deal with infant mortality. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, Margaret's got a secret note. Margaret has a secret note in her stomach. Yes. Which... It's not in her drawers like Alfred's underwear in the trees on King no, Street. No, no. She swallowed it. Why did he take his drawers off? <laughs> Why was That's George all he's got on Street? when he comes to the door. Yeah, I know. And this note is written in the seemingly most dumb cipher ever. So... When they make reference to the cipher, they mention Vern's Matthias Sandorf here. Do you know what that is? My understanding is that it's a cipher that you and I have to have the same text. Yes. And you cut letters, you cut holes in the note. And when I get it, I put it on the same book that you were looking at. And the letters that poke through are what I should read. Which happens in Matthias Sandorf. Okay. Not that book particularly was used. Okay. It's a, a Bible that they use, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Bible they use. Yeah. But that book by Verne is, some, is something called A Wanderer's Tale, mm -hmm. which are these kind of mid-19th century, early 20th century stories about 
guys who went around to different kingdoms and magical places. Clearly, Gulliver is part of this tradition. Mm-hmm. Baron Munchausen, the film is like this. Yeah. That, that, that that's what that kind of book. It's not Verne's, you know. We went to space books. Right. It's more an espionage kind of, kind of, he's more of a, not a James Bond character, but kind of more like. Hence why he would use ciphers and codes, right? I have in my notes that that Brackenridge should know who Vern is since he has Vern's books in his office, but I was wrong. He has H.G. Wells' books, not Vern's. No, he has the racist books in his office. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the eugenicist books in his office. I'm not even going to try to understand how Murdoch knew to ignore five letters at a time in uh, this code. Th- that language was centuries old. Mm-hmm. It would be like somebody from our time using early English. Yeah. Yeah. Like really early English. Never, never, like, never mind. They have no idea how to put it on the page. There's a lot of hand waving during that sign, that period. And I'm like, oh, chalkboard, it says, don't look. It says Durham on the chalkboard. That's yeah. the clue. <laughs> look away, look away. Then we get the, the biggest explosion in Murdoch so far. Yes. And it is a real explosion. I watched several times. Now. None of those CGI. people is anywhere near it. No, no, it's not CGI. Right, which is why nope. we don't see them and it nope. at the same nope. time. No, nope. they blow up a carriage. But they absolutely blow up a carriage. They do. It's impressive. It is It is some pyrotechnical work. And it burns so hot, it instantly incinerates a man. Yeah, I think he was probably dead before that. And he, maybe he was dead, but he wasn't pre-burned. <laughs> no. But he would have had to be to be charred to this level that quickly. Now, is he the redheaded ex-boyfriend? He's Tucker. Yes. He's Jennings' brother. Yes. Snidely Whiplash's brother. Which, okay. Who's really dick dastardly. The bartender, the bartender, knows what's going on from the very beginning. Eddie Cullen. Yes. And doesn't tell Murdoch anything. No. He has an unfortunate family story. The, the troubles are all about unfortunate family stories for Either side. Yes. So I think it's interesting that I have a child in Ireland right now. As we speak, yeah. Studying the troubles. Yeah. He seems to have been a friend of Murdoch's. Murdoch and and Cullen were at seminary school as, well, they were at a a Jesuit school as children together. As children. Yes. And then he kind of should be like, dastardly bad guy, whiplash, snidely whiplash is a bad dude. He's going to go crazy. Like, you know that five minutes after he... Reveals his disguise that he's Nazi Bobo. I don't know. I think when you're involved in a cause like this, sometimes you have to ally yourself with people that you wouldn't choose. But if they're for the same cause you are, you Mm. make it work. But when Jennings does snap and says, you have to kill Murdoch, Colin says, no, because fundamentally, he's a good guy. Again, there is change in Colin. Mm-hmm. From the start to the end. Yeah. Okay, but we can't skip over cost. We can't skip over dress up time. Okay. Because Henry, we, sh- we should play the Mister Dress Up theme and talk <laughs> about the tickle trunk. Because George <laughs> goes to the tickle trunk and gets some fancy duds. He does. But then Henry gets to dress up in the prince's outfit too. Now that silly hat the prince wears. Mm-hmm. There are pictures of him in that silly hat. Oh, yeah. The actual dude. It's an accurate costume. That is an accurate costume. I think he would have had more medals and on, probably. And it is probably. a very silly hat. Yes. It's a, it's a not a tricorn. It's a two, two-tipped two hat, right? A it's bicorn? A, it's a bicorn. Yeah. 
Poor dude probably had to wear all kinds of stupid stuff. Oh, I'm sure he He probably had to wear tights and breeches at some point for something. I'm not exactly sure why George has to dress up. It makes sense that Henry dresses up, but not George. George tries on the clothes because Alfred tells him to, even though they're built completely different. Oh, they... The pants alone would have been a problem. (laughs) No. But... They well, let him and keep it on because guys, it makes him mix. It makes him blend in. There's all those guys there to dress him, but nobody to provide security. Yeah, for. yeah, exactly. <laughs> all those people are like, "I'm only in charge of his cravats. I yes. don't care if he lives or not. I'm sorry. I just tie the cravat." Yes. But when Henry turns around from that mirror, <laughs> he looks like a little kid who's put his dad's suit on. Oh, totally. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> "Can I wave? Can I wave?" <laughs> But, but they don't give him a mustache. No. He needs a mustache. They don't give him a mustache. And anyone from 20 yards away would be like, who's that? Yeah. And, okay, <laughs> like everything becomes so easy and Murdoch figures out that maybe it's not easy. It's being set up. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't you know that as soon as the carriage exploded and they weren't in it? Like, that's obviously a setup then. I don't know. They weren't supposed to be in the carriage yet. So I don't know. But as soon as Jennings pulls out two pistols, yeah. he certainly figures it out. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're back at the police station. Okay. George is dressed as the prince. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, Henry's dressed as a prince. George has his top hat and morning coat on. And then Brackenreed is like, we have to find them, right? Because Murdoch and the prince have been taken hostage. Yes. Julia's like, oh, no, Murdoch might be in danger. I found a bullet in a jar. And then he's like, well, okay. we got to find out anything we want. And I had this image of, Jor- of Henry sitting at his desk wearing the prince's outfit, doing police work in that <laughs> outfit, you know. But they, they change clothes before the next scene. They're back in there. So, so I know this went episode was written by a woman, but I would have made a guess that it was written by a woman because of that scene where Julia comes in and says, I have an incredibly important piece of information to give you. And Bracken reads like, we don't have time for that. You shut up, lady. And she's like, and no. she persists. Uh-uh. Yeah, because she's got a key piece of information. And then he goes, you're right. Tucker was dead already. Like there is a change in Brackenreed. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, wait a minute. I should listen to you. You do have important information. Yes. Wait a minute. Did you see where the map was from that they looked at all the regions? No. The The Mighty Directory Company of Canada, of Toronto. Mighty Directory? The Mighty Directory. Wow. Way to be boastful in your business name. I don't know. We're the super podcasting company of the universe. (laughs) We'll live up to that. So, boom, the carriage explodes. There's a dead man in it. It's the redheaded stepchild. And we find out that he has the missing necklace on him. And Mm -hmm. it is completely fine. Yeah. Well, then we find out that Tucker is Jennings' brother because Jennings is actually a Tucker. So then, (laughs) before that, and right at the end of the morgue scene, is such a midsummer trope, okay? There's been an explosion. Yeah. Probably the only one in Toronto that year. Yeah. Okay? Well, I don't know. Stuff exploded all the time back then. Oops, a barrel of maple syrup just blew up. At least one. Okay. Okay. And that explosion clearly is related to the prince. Mm-hmm. He's at the, the library opening. By the way, no library in Toronto looks like that. Mm-hmm. Okay? 
And at the end of the morgue scene, they're like, let's have a parade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. You're like, maybe a parade is not the best thing. I know that somebody just tried to kill him and blew up the vehicle he was supposed to be in. So let's put him in another vehicle. Yes. And a more public place. Yes. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Let's put Henry in that vehicle. (laughs) Yeah. Why is Henry not going? uh, I don't want to die. I don't want to (laughs) die. I'm too young to die. I'm too pretty to die. (laughs) So there's a small change of plan because Cheap Lovejoy has taken over. Yes. Snidely Whiplash, a.k.a. Jennings, has taken Murdoch and the Prince hostage. To the Summerhill Ravine. To a barn where all the Finians are just hanging out. Yeah, where were those Finians before? Uh, Sitting in the bar. And (laughs) not not fighting. I love how George calls... Uh, Scotland Yard and they're like oh yeah Jennings is way sus yeah <laughs> I know we let the prince go across the ocean with him and he's the only person we sent with him other than that cravat guy who's pretty useless but uh, yeah he's he's a baddie oh did do you think we should have done something about that yeah uh, oh you guys should do something about that he's a baddie I mean, you've, you've, seen his, you've seen his mustache I mean, yes. come on obviously he's a uh, clearly yeah who snitched? <laughs> Kate, dude, it's not that hard to figure out. You're you're in the number two guy's house. Yeah. That he owns. Yeah. That's just outside of town. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty easy to figure out. Now, the prince at this point has said he's going to do the parade because his grandmother was, there were many assassination attempts on his grandmother. And there were. And there were. And there we, was just a really we, good BBC podcast about all the people who tried to kill Victoria. I think you mentioned that. Most in of them were Looney Tune teenagers. Yeah, Looney yeah, Tunes. <laughs> so that, and I took that as kind of fake bravado, but he shows some real bravado here. Well, when they're being held hostage, she says Murdoch has nothing to do with this. Let him go. Yeah. Which it shows some character of yeah, the prince. He's I, I not so. making up dirty limericks now. No. He knows this is serious. And I actually appreciated that he got the hell out of Dodge when he could. Mm-hmm. He didn't, he wasn't like, I'll save Murdoch. No, no, he was like, I'm out of here. I'm running. <laughs> you should run too. Come on. Because that's what Murdoch would have told him to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think he shows a lot of character. Now, yeah. maybe he shouldn't throw his underwear in trees. Maybe. But maybe somebody got those underwear. I'm sure they were very nice. So Snidely Whiplash gives the bartender the selfie's choice here. Kill him. You got to kill Murdoch to prove your loyalty to the the cause. Your loyalty to the cause. He's not going to do it. No. So there's a moment and then he shoots Snidely Whiplash. Yes. And all hell breaks loose. Well, because he's. Jennings has poured gasoline all over the straw. Yeah. Did everybody else not be like, hey. Uh, I didn't sign up to die in a barn with you, dude. I'm out. Yeah. Did they call it gasoline? Petrol. The, I don't know. They didn't say. He was yeah. just pouring it out of a can. So it was pretty clear. It would it was, have to be lamp oil. Yeah. It wouldn't be gasoline because at this point in time. They wouldn't they, have any here, right? <laughs> they have no idea what to do with gasoline. Yeah, gasoline right. is a byproduct of oil <laughs> yeah. finding, refining. Yeah. And they're throwing it in the water. Yeah, they're just throwing it away. Because they have no idea what to do with you it. You can't run a horse on gasoline. That's an, an, there were articles about you can't run a horse on gasoline. Mm-hmm. 
gasoline, the, the petrol byproduct was thrown away in huge amounts because they had no idea what to do with it. And yeah. one of the smartest things about the coming car re- revolution was is- Was it used that they stuff? Were, they used that stuff. And it all, the only problem with it was that it created knocks and pings in the engine. And if we just shove enough lead in it, we'll be okay. Well, and the scary thing is that when they were throwing it out into waterways and stuff, you wouldn't know because it was odorless. Yep. Right? The, yep. the smell that we associate with gas is added to it. Yes. Yes, it is. So Otherwise, I mean, you would... It would just be a film on the water. If that. Yeah. Yeah. So you could be drinking it. You wouldn't. But you know, the good old days, they were so great. Lamp oil all over the hay. Let's light it up. Jennings is like, we're going down. uh, No, I'm just a third rate henchman guy back here in a flat cap. I'm not doing that. No. Now, I would have done it slightly different. I would have had him go in, run back in and free Murdoch and the prince. Because then we definitely know why he ran back in. Mm. But here... Cullen running back into the barn while it's on fire. It's suicidal. It's not dying heroically. Right. He acted heroically, Mm -hmm. but he did not die heroically. No, because he voluntarily ran back in. Yes. Now, if you think that's what he did. Yes. Because he knows he's going to get in trouble for shooting Jennings. Yes. Right? Though, he probably wouldn't have because he saved everybody's life. Yes. Right? Self-defense and all. He could have run right through the barn and out the other side to get away and not be oh, he totally could charged have, with it. Could have easily. Like, these people had no idea who the woman was for, like, half the episode. Yeah. You can easily hide out. Yeah. He could have just gotten away. Yeah. But I don't think that's what he did. I think he actually killed himself in the barn. Yes. To be with his family. Yeah. So then we have the turn with Julia. Well, Murdoch's got a boo-boo. Murdoch has a boo-boo and... Julia is tending to him, and it just becomes too much. She tears up. And I don't fault that Mm -mm. at all. No. I think her feelings are a lot more than Murdoch lets on his feelings are. Mm -hmm. And she has come face to face with the knowledge that he almost died. Mm -hmm. And he came very close. This is the closest we've seen Murdoch dying, even including getting shot with the arrow. He had a gun aimed at his head. Yeah, this is serious. This is the first time, this is a really gunny episode. It is. There's a lot of guns. Brackenry's like, let's go to the armory and get the long guns. (laughs) (laughs) You get kind of used to seeing Brackenreed with a big gun. Yeah. It it suits him. Yes. To be carrying a shotgun. It just kind of looks right on him, I guess. I don't know. And what I like is in this scene, Murdoch understands what's going on. And he doesn't have to say, are you upset because I almost died? Yeah. He knows that. Or, oh, shucks, are you into me or something? None of that. <laughs> this, what I've. Because that's how you would talk. What I really liked about this end scene is what two people who actually cared about each other mm-hmm. would do in this situation. She would be upset, but she would be trying to hide it. Yeah. Or get just get through it, not yeah. make a big deal out of it. And he doesn't make a big deal of it because he loves her too. He doesn't say, Julia, I like your big bum. No. Will you be my vulgar girl? Will you be my vulgar girl with your big bum? (laughs) Who knows how big her bum is? They wear those big dresses. Who knows? Who knows? She could have a little bitty bum. She could have a great big bum. We wouldn't know. (laughs) I don't know where to go with that. And Julia's bum. (laughs) 
will be on the na- the end of the episode name. Are you ready for Snidely Whiplash, Poutine, and Julia's Bob? Curdling stones. Best corpse. Well, okay, we got two. Mm-hmm. We got. Well, really, we have three. We have Maggie. We have Tucker. And then we have Jennings. Yes. Because Jennings is face down in the barn. He's dead. Yeah. I, I can say her because she does a good body on the slab, especially when Julia's scraping, futzing with that appliance. Like you would have normal, natural reactions to that. I'm going to go with Tucker because he's Instachar. He's, and that's impressive. That's hard to do. It's a good dead body model. <laughs> Not really. It's just. It should have a little red hair. It's just black. <laughs> You're really into him being a redhead, aren't you? We see him well, one time and he's wearing a hat. I don't know why you're so into his hair. Because it's much like the bar. It is the stereotypical Irish dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like the corpse should be charred, but still have freckles. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about me frosted lucky charms. <laughs> what are those flecks on? I know it's black, but I can see little. F- oh, those are just freckles. They burn different. <laughs> After the wow. credits. After the credits. I think uh, Colin's dead. You do? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think uh, Mr. Gilpatrick is going to have to accept that no fairies are going to be returning his daughter. No. I hope that he does. His daughter is definitely gone. Who is going to go back to England with Alfred? I don't know. Is he going to travel alone? They're, they're going to have to send somebody. <laughs> I think maybe George and Henry should go with him and escort him back to England. Well, okay. Then maybe the queen could say thank you to them personally. (laughs) That is an episode I want to see real bad. Well, we kind of almost see it in the latest episode of Murdoch. Well, yeah, in season 16, he does go to England. But no, I want to see. But no, I want to see. Who goes to England or why they go to England? No, 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 no. 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 I want to see those three on a boat for whatever, a month? Yeah. It would take. That would be fantastic. Living it up. That's what I want to see. You eventually would run out of women on the boat. And alcohol, I would think. I would think so. Are you ready for a horrible movie? Uh, I think that's everybody. So, yeah, hit me up with a horrible movie. Oh, I got one for you now. Oh, good. So, Vincent Walsh, who plays Eddie Cullen. Yes. The friend who goes back into the barn, is in this 1996 film. Okay? Okay, I would have been living in Canada when this was on. I don't know if he's Canadian or not. He is. I'm going to give you the tagline first. Okay. They've shipped everything from square pigs to anti-gravity beer, but now they've got a load of real trouble. Square pigs. I guess so you can stack so them. So this is not that the weird imports one with the crazy Santa. No. No, no. That's way after 96. That's way after 96. Ready for the synopsis? Yes. A space trucker and his cute fiance are on the way their way from a space station to Earth with an unknown cargo. When space pirates hijack them, 5,000 disintegrator robots are found in the cargo. Wow. 96? Mm-hmm. I was too busy playing darts and wearing suits. and You can't believe who's in it. Okay. Charles Dance. Wow. Who plays the, the dad on Game of Thrones. Yep. Right? Dennis Hopper. It's a Dennis Hopper movie I haven't seen. And George Went, George who was w- Norm in Cheers. He's Norm in Cheers. Mm-hmm. Well-known Bob Mould fan. All these big people are in it. I, I know I'm going to have said that I heard of it, but I never saw this movie. It's called Space Trucker. Space Trucker. Which I just realized I said when the synopsis, I had to play it off. Yeah. Space Trucker. Wow. 
It's a wackadoodle looking movie, I can tell you that. Charles Dance was in some rough movies. I could not figure out whether it was supposed to be funny or not. I'm, I, with George Went, I'm thinking funny. I don't know. I couldn't tell whether it was supposed to be funny or just have funny moments. And it's just a really bad movie. It doesn't look like it has. Oh, Stephen Dorff and Debbie Mazar are in this Debbie movie. Debbie Mazar. That's whose name I was Oh my to gosh. Why have I not seen this movie? Well, I didn't see this movie because I was too working, busy being yuppie. Working like a crazy man at this point. Space Trucker, 1996. Vincent Walsh, who plays Eddie Cullen, is in it. Definitely have seen the VHS cassette in a store. <laughs> you've seen the cover? Yep, I definitely but have seen the cover. you've never seen the movie? But I never saw the movie. One for me. Yeah. Wow. Cha-ching! I should be tracking points like every six months or something, you know, like totaling them up every 20 episodes or... We should be playing the long game. Maybe. To see who's got well, the most points. You would have a million points and I would have none. You have some. I have some. There's some times when you get all, I have like three movies and you get all of them. Sometimes. All right. That's The Prince and the Rebel. This is episode 12 of season we one. Have one more one episode. More episode. And that episode is, is our favorite episode the of annoying the season. Red Planet. Yes. Oh my God. Aliens arrive. Space, the final frontier of Murdoch. And Terrence Myers. Terrence Myers, the dastardly international agent. Yes. I won't do any limericks next week, I promise. Okay. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all the websites. And subreddit and please, YouTube. Please, if you are a listener, please follow us on all these things. It helps us hit new people. Mm-hmm. Right? I know, especially with YouTube, we have a lot of people who listen on YouTube or maybe not subscribed, but please subscribe because this helps us find new listeners and grow the community. Remember, the merch sales to the 1st of June are going to Target Ovarian Cancer, and there is a new shirt in the shop that you can pick up right now. New design. It's yep. on shirts. It's on tote bags. It's yep. on aprons. Yep. If there's something that you wanted on that I didn't put up, let me know. Let can, us know. We can put it on can put baby it on. outfits, whatever. Yep. I don't think babies should have t-shirts that say murder, but hey, if that's your thing, I'll put it on the baby one. We had the baby in the soccer fox t-shirt. That's so. true. That's different, though. Yeah. Yes. All right. Until next time. Bye, maniacs. Are you a changeling? No. You're not really my husband. You no. went to Canada and came back changeling. What's this all about? <laughs> a boot. Bye, maniacs. Mystery Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to mystery TV. Each week, we look into the... <laughs> what is so funny? <laughs> Just the way you're saying it. Each week, we look... Listen, ah! Each week! <laughs> we look we, at an episode of a show.